All right, we are going to be uh, talking about the attributes of God like we have been uh, in our midweek services, and tonight we are going to talk about the attribute that God has exclusively, and it's His omnipotence. I've got it broken down on the board. Uh, the word omni is all. The word potent is power. This is God having all power. Kind of like all the other attributes that we've covered, we may have heard some of these before, and and they seem, you know, hey, we know what that means, or uh, we look at them very surface level, but, um, you know, there's so many things that we could break this down into, but uh, we're going to try to hit the big points of this tonight um, and talk about God's omnipotence. Now, just like all the other attributes, let me remind everybody again, remind myself that God's attributes are immutable. God is omnipotent, and He has always been omnipotent, and He will never not be omnipotent. He is omnipotent forever. This is eternal attribute. God has all sovereign power, rule, authority. And for the Christian, that should give us great comfort. Just like all the other attributes we've mentioned, this should give us comfort. But to the unbeliever, it should bring terror. It should bring dread because the God that they hate has all power. But the God that we serve, the God that has saved us and rescued us and walks with us, is the God that has all power. Let that bring comfort to our soul that our God, in the middle of every situation, we can look to heaven, we can pray within our souls and know that the God who never leaves us and is eternally holding us is all power. There's no one who is more powerful than God, and, and what a great relief that is. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, let's pray before we do that. Father, thank you for being omnipotent. God, thank you that you are all power. Lord, let us just rejoice in this. Lord, I pray that you would um, just let us see this attribute uh, more deeply and more clearly than we ever have. And Lord, let it bring all to our minds and all to our souls of, of this and what it means and, and who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would just help to give us the words to speak. Lord, that we could just bring this in our weak way to be seen in the glory that it deserves. God, thank you. Thank you for being all-powerful. We ask these things, and we pray these things, and we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. I put two quotes on here, and I think that they're quite telling. The first one, read along with me. I think this is a very good quote. It says, If God would concede me His omnipotence for 24 hours, you would see how many changes I would make to the world. What would you make if you had God's power for 24 for hours. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but if he gave me his wisdom, I would leave things as they are. Think about that. That God in all his power and all of his wisdom has done everything perfectly and flawlessly. And Tozer says this, since he has at his command all the power in the universe, the Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for renewal of strength. All the power required to do all that he wills to do lies in undiminished fullness in his own infinite being. What a statement that is about our God. 
We made some, just some key points here as we work through this. And it says that omnipotence and sovereignty are inseparable. Those two things go hand in hand. As God has sovereignty over all of His creation, He must have all power. And because He has all power, He has all sovereignty. Those two things go hand in hand. And, and some of the verses that we may read tonight, you may uh, sound, or seem like it sounds familiar because we have included those in the sovereignty of God. Those two things and those two attributes are they're inseparable. They go hand in hand. And this is an important uh, next statement that we have to address and we have to cover because omnipotence does not mean that God can do anything. And we're going to see this. If you look down at the bottom of this little section, you will see a, a question that has been formed, a question that has been brought to many Christians and leaves them stumped and not knowing how to answer this question. This is the question that poses an almost uh, unsolvable dilemma when you hear it. Maybe you've heard it. The, the question asserts this. Can God make a rock so big he can't move it? What do you say to that? God can do all things, right? Can he create all things? Can he create a rock so big that he can't move that rock? What would you say if someone asked that to you? Well, that assumes something, that God can do anything. But God's omnipotence, God's all power does not mean he can do anything because there's some things that God can't do. And before you think I'm crazy, listen to what I say. Can God die? He can't die. The divine nature of God, the divine being of God cannot die because if the nature of God, if the divine being of God died, then the universe would cease to exist. It wasn't the divine logos it wasn't the divine nature that died on the cross. It was the flesh. It was His humanity that died, not the divine nature. God cannot die. So there's some things that God cannot do. He cannot act against His nature. He cannot lie. The Bible tells us that in Numbers 23. He cannot die. He cannot be tempted with evil. He does not tempt people with evil. He does not stop being God. He can't do that, and He can't sin. So there are things that God cannot do, but that does not negate or limit His omnipotence. So the answer simply to this, if you ever get asked this question, is no. God cannot create a rock big enough that He can't move, because that would mean there's something in the universe that God does not have power over, which is an impossibility. So it looks like something that should stump us is the easiest question in the world. No. His omnipotence does not mean that he can do anything because he can't act against his nature like we said. There has never been a time where God was not omnipotent. God has complete and total power and control over everything. Here's something that seems simple, but we will find this as we go along in this attribute. There's nothing too difficult for God. There's nothing that is harder than something else for God to perform by His power. It's not like He has to reach down into the reserves and this thing is so much harder to do and whew, that exhausted all of His strength and power. Again, His power is coming from Himself. This is His divine nature. There's nothing too hard for God and there's nothing more difficult to God than something else. And nothing is outside the scope of His sovereign power. That's humans, governments, the universe, animals, molecules, weather, etc., and maybe, just maybe, if you remember, and I remember this growing up, I can remember sitting in church as a kid, and I remember a song called El Shaddai. 
I think it's El Shaddai, El Shaddai, age to age, you're still the same, something, something, something. <laughs> I knew a lot of it, you can see. But one of the names for God is El Shaddai. And that simply translates means God Almighty, all power. And the first time we see this mention of El Shaddai, or God Almighty, is in Genesis 17, about Abraham and the covenant of circumcision. Other verses that we see are on your paper, Genesis 28, Exodus 6, 3, Job 11, 7, and so on. Psalm 68, 14, Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10. You can go back and read those. Those talk to the Almighty, God Almighty, El Shaddai, that this is an attribute of God. He is omnipotent. He has power, all power. And I wrote Matthew 28, 18 on here. We know this. He speaks this in the Great Commission that we should go, and, and he tells the disciples there and tells us as well that we are to go into the world and make disciples. And, and if you remember what the word disciple means, it literally means students, and that changes the whole makeup of the Great Commission. Go into the world and make students, teaching them. Again, teaching. That's what the teacher does to the students. That's why we're to be knowledgeable of the Word of God and grow in that knowledge. But what does he say in Matthew 28, 18? It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What may seem like a simple verse. Do you know what you have just heard? You just heard of the deity of Christ. You just heard a God claim. Because how in the world... Could Jesus, if he was not God, have authority in heaven? Do you think the Father's just going to be like, hey man, you're just a created being and you know what, you're just a prophet and you're a good teacher like some religions think. You know what, just come up on into heaven and just take all authority up here. I don't need it. You deserve it more than I do. Do you think for one second that the Father would hand over authority in heaven to anyone that was not God? No. This verse, as simple as it may seem, in the Great Commission, speaks to the deity of Christ and His Godship. He has all authority on he in heaven and on earth. So let's look at the first thing we can see that God is omnipotent over. And this goes back to sovereignty. We spoke about God being sovereign over nothing. And here, God is omnipotent over nothing. Because, schools teach us, that out of nothing came everything. And there's nothing more ridiculous than that statement. We've said it a time or two, and again, it's worth repeating. If, if you look around and see anything at all right now, that's the greatest proof that God exists. Because if there was ever a time where there was absolutely nothing, then today there would be nothing. But if you can look around and see each other, you can see the trees, you can see the birds, then you know that there never was a time where there was nothing because out of nothing comes nothing but out of one eternal being that has full aseity and life in himself comes everything. And in his power, the power of his word, the power of his eternal being, he's power over nothing. And the fact that in this void, in this nothingness, he speaks into creation all things. What a God that has power over the nothingness that there was. Out of the word of his mouth comes the, the, the planets and it comes the stars and the moon and the birds and, and humanity. And it comes into being by the power of his word. We find this in Hebrews. This isn't on your sheet, but you can write it down. I forgot to put it on there. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, he says this. God 
after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, again, interesting that the writer of Hebrews in the first century would speak about the last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, to whom also he made the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now we have a reference to the Son creating the world. How could that be? Because the Son is God. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. He upholds all things by the word of His power and by the word of His power. All things came into being. He is omnipotent over nothing in His creation. And He's omnipotent in His creation. Let's read some of these verses just so you can get an idea of the power of God that is at stake. And we see this in Genesis 1. You can go read that. You know that. In the beginning, God, and he, you can read all that He created and look at the power of His Word. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their hosts. Isaiah 44, verse 24 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who has formed you from the womb, I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone. Isaiah 40, verse 25 through 26 says, To whom will you liken me that I would be his equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them by name because of his greatness of his might and the strength of his power. None of them is missing. I heard something one time. I, it was about they were estimating the number of stars in the universe. And this was a staggering number. But I heard at one point that if you counted every star that is in the Milky Way alone, and you went and for every second you counted a star in the Milky Way, and you did that, one star per second, all the stars in the Milky Way, they estimated that would take you 2,500 years. And out of nothing, this omnipotent God spoke it into existence. And then he goes on to say that he doesn't just speak it into existence, he holds all things by the power of his word. That everything in this universe and everything in our lives and everything that is going on around us is being held together perfectly and flawlessly by the immutable plan and the will of God. That includes the stars. When he calls them out, he knows them by name. Not one of them go missing by his power. This is an omnipotent God with power to speak things into existence with power over nothing. I hope somebody hears the context of that. I hope they don't pick up the, uh, the podcast right there and just hear that he has power over nothing. That would not be good. Power over the nothingness yeah, that was there before creation. Jeremiah 10, 20, or 12 says, It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. He goes on to say in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, behold, God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. It is by the power of God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's the power of our God. Does that begin to blow your mind to think that just the number of stars in the universe. That he would know them, speak them into existence, put the sun perfectly where it's supposed to be, know every molecule in the universe by his power. And then we come to difficulties in our life. And sometimes we doubt the power of God. Can he help? Can he do? Can he sustain? Can this happen? There's nothing too difficult for this omnipotent God. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes and His eternal power and divine nature, having been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they were without excuse. The Bible says that by nature, by by the things that we see in nature, the invisible attributes of God are made known. And what we see when we look at nature is we see the eternal power and the divine nature of God. And this clearly teaches us that there's no such thing as an atheist. I mean, they're self-proclaimed atheists, don't get me wrong. But the Bible is very clear that there's no one that has an excuse to say, I didn't know that God existed. Because by His nature alone, it has been made known to every person. Being understood that through what He's made, so that no one's without excuse. What you see with his power over creation is his internal, invisible attribute and his divine nature and eternal power. God has power over his created order, over nothingness in creation, over all that he's made. That is a omnipotent God. All power and all the glory goes to him. What a relief to know that God is in control and all power of this universe. But his omnipotence doesn't stop there, that God is omnipotent over humans, plans, governments, etc. This is something that we, we need to hold on to today as you pick up the newspaper, if they still do that. Is there such thing as a newspaper anymore? Or is it just your phone or TV? But if you go to whatever source that you get your news, sometimes we need to be reminded that God is omnipotent. As the world is falling apart and chaos is running wild and these wicked leaders look like they are in control with all power and who could stop them? No one thing. As we remember from Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 that everyone that's in a position of authority is there by one, one way, by the power of God, that He assigns those positions. Remember what the Bible says? He sets up kings. He takes them down. He bends their heart like the river, that they're there by His power. And think about this. Do you remember when that Jesus stood before Pilate? And Pilate thought he had all power, thought he had all prestige, thought he had all the authority speaking to Jesus. And what does Jesus tell him in John chapter 19? I believe it's in verse 11. You have no power except for the power that was given to you by heaven. 
the greatest rulers, the most powerful congressmen and politicians, the kings and the rulers that has ever been on this planet or ever will be. The power they have has been given to them by God Almighty, the omnipotent God of the universe. And he can raise them up and he can bring them down at the snap of a finger or by the breath of his word. That's what he told to, to Pilate. This whole thing, you think you have power. I'm going to end up on a cross, but it's because I'm omnipotent that I'm going to end up on that cross. Not because of you. You have no power. And this is what we need to know as Christians. That all of our governments and our plans and everything, we have no power over God. Let's get a feel for this as we read some of these verses. It says this in Psalm 33, verse 9 through 11. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. That is omnipotence. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 6 says this. Brief time out. Thank you. Are you good? Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 6. We're on, the back page. We're on the back page of that first one. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, and you, and you not God in the heavens, and are you not the ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Isaiah 14, 24 through 27 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, just as I have intended, so it has it happened. And just as I have planned, so it will stand. To break Assyria in my land, I will trample him on the mountain. Then his yoke will be removed from them and his burden removed from their shoulder. This is the plan devised against the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out against all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has planned it. And who can frustrate it? And as for his a stretched out hand, who can turn it back? When God brings his power and his plan on something, the most powerful of all nations has no chance. If you just do a quick search of the Assyrians, at their, their vile nature, their horrific nature, their, their brutal nature, you will find that they were feared. It's no, it's no small thing that Jonah did not want to go to, to, to the Assyrians there because they were wicked people. And no matter what they've planned, when God rises up and His eternal plans are being put into place, nothing, no one, no government, no human, nothing can thwart His power. Isn't that a relief to the Christian? We may go through some hard stuff, but we're protected by the power of this God. That all things are being done by the power of this God, who has all power, even over the things that may seem like they're out of control. Isaiah 43, verse 13 says, For even from eternity I am He, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? What a powerful God. This is one of my favorite sections of Scripture we find in Isaiah 46, 9-11. through Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Again, that's speaking of Cyrus. 
Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. Job, at the end of his account in 42, verse 2, says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted because you are omnipotent. And you'll notice I don't have any verses written out in Psalm 2. I want to go there. If we could turn to Psalm 2 and see this, because I think it's important to today, and I think it speaks to the omnipotence of God. This is a Messianic psalm. I want to read Psalm 2. We're going to read the whole chapter here. Here's what it says. Why are the nations in an uproar? And the peoples devising a vain thing. And the kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. Saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Let me stop there just for a moment so you can get the context. You see the nations and the kings and the rulers and the vile, wicked people of this world. He's speaking to those people. The kings of the earth, the nations in an uproar. Why? Because they are coming against God, against His anointed. It says that they take counsel together, strengthen numbers. Let's get everybody together. Let's build up this resistance to God. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take counsel together. We're going to come against the Lord and His anointed. And we're going to say, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Saying we don't want anything to do with God. We hear His commandments. We hear, his, we hear that, uh, the truths of His Word. We hear all these things, but we don't want any part of that. We want to loose all of our ties from that. We want to cut our fetters from that. We don't want any part of this God. We want to revolt against Him. We want to devise these, these vain things. We want to come with all maliciousness of heart. We hate this God. We hate this anointed, and we're all going to gather together, the kings, the nations, and we're going to say, let's separate completely from this God. And wage war against them. Does that sound familiar at all? Even in today's society, where the world, the nations say, we don't want anything to do with God. We don't want anything to do with His holy command. We don't want anything to do with the biblical standards. We don't want any part of that. We want all restraint removed. We want all connection to this God broken away from us. We want to live how we want to live. We want to live in complete autonomy. We want to rebuke God, revile against God, rebel against God. And how dare anyone say that we should adhere to the things of God? We say that across the world today. And you know what? So many people think that either God is not real because they've suppressed it in their heart because they know it has. They say that He doesn't exist, so why should we obey him or they more the more appropriate answer is that they do know he exists and they hate the fact that he does exist and they hate the fact that this god whom they hate is omnipotent there's nothing that drives unbelievers mad more mad than knowing that god is all-powerful and that he's unchanging in that all-powerfulness and in his sovereignty and his holiness it's unchanging but look what God's response is in verse 4. All the nations, as powerful as they may seem, do you think the God who sits in the heavens is worried? Verse 4 says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. 
the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. That right there is a verse that many missionaries will use to go into other countries. They will have this posted. They will say, This is our mission. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations to you as your inheritance. That sounds good, doesn't it? Except we have to read it in context. Because do you know what he's going to do with these nations? Well, let's hear. Let's see. Let's see if this is the verse we want to use. Ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and you shall shatter them like earthenware. These nations that are devising, these ungodly people that are plotting against the God and the king of this universe, the unrighteous, the ungodly, they're going to be given to God as an inheritance, but not for good to them. He's going to be given these nations and these ungodly men for one thing to break them with a rod of iron and to destroy them like earthenware. Does that sound like a verse that we should use for our mission? No, because God sets in the heavens. He's unbothered by it because He's decreed it all and He's all power. The most powerful of all the world. He laughs and He scoffs. Let us remember that when we turn on the news that our God is omnipotent. He'll break them with a rod of iron. He'll shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that He does not become angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge in Him. This is a horrifying future for those who do not pay homage to the Son. that don't love the Son, that reject the Son. Do you remember in the the parable of the wedding feast, the, the king is throwing a banquet, and who's it for? It's for his Son. He's honoring the Son. And here we see the same language, do homage to the Son. Because if you don't pay homage to the Son, if you don't, Accept the Son. If you don't love the Son, then His wrath is coming. And He will break you like a rod of iron, and He will shatter you like earthenware. But do you remember how we said, we talked about this on Sunday, that these false teachers, they are cursed children. They're not the blessed ones. The blessed ones are those whose sins have been covered. Their their iniquities have been forgiven. Those are the ones who God has lifted up His countenance and brought His light upon. And here we see the same language. How blessed are those who pay homage to the Son and take refuge in Him. What an all-powerful God. I wanted to read that chapter to show you that even though the nations rage, even though 
They may want nothing to do with this God. It looks like they are winning. It looks like they are being unchecked. And they are able to do whatever they want. Know this, that God is in the heavens. And He's doing whatever He pleases. He scoffs at them. He laughs at them. And unless they do homage to the Son, He's going to break them. Because He's all-powerful. If you get discouraged about the affairs of this world, go to Psalm 2 and know that it is God who's omnipotent. His power is never lessening. It's never weakening. God's power has not diminished or gotten weaker. It's not like He uses His power on something. And then, oh, let me sit down and take a break. I, don't, I need to replenish that. I don't know. I've used all my power. God's power is infinite. It's a never-ending source that God is power. And we never have to be afraid that He is getting weaker as we get older. We get weaker as we get older, but God is eternal. And we see the verses here that speak about this, that He does not grow weary or tired. And as the earth will roll up like a garment, wear out like a garment, it will change, but God will never change. That's His immutable nature. He is the same. And all the years will never come to an end. What a great thought that as we get weak in life, we get more feeble, that God's power is not lessening or weakening one bit. I want to talk to you guys about God's omnipotence and salvation. This is something we should all rejoice in. Because Romans chapter 1 tells us something about the gospel in verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God. It is God's gospel. And it is from an omnipotent God. The God with all power better believe that His gospel is all power. The God that has all power does not give a gospel that does not have power. But this gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. We must know that this is not our gospel. We have been entrusted with this gospel. We are to present this gospel perfectly and accurately because it is not our gospel. We are not to waver from this gospel because Galatians chapter 1 tells us very simply that if we preach or anyone preaches, if Paul preaches or an angel comes and tells a different gospel, that what has been proclaimed in the pages of Scripture, let them be anathema, let them be cursed. Because this gospel is the power of God. You see the power of God, this omnipotent God and His gospel is all power. We see this also in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. says, For the word of the, of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. Let us not look at the gospel the same. Let us see the power of the gospel. Let us see the omnipotent God delivering a gospel with all power. See, this is the thing about it. I gave this analogy to when we were last Friday, I do believe in Bible. And I said, listen, I said, if I had the cure for cancer and someone in my family needed the cure for cancer. And I went over there and gave them some good advice or I gave them a few jokes and had the, what they needed all along. That would be very bad of me. You would question my love for that person. Well, the people that are in our lives that are not Christians were to proclaim the gospel to them. And they don't need good advice. 
There's no power in good advice. And there's no power in antidotes. But the one thing they need, the only thing that can set them free, the only imperishable seed that if it finds good soil that can bring life is the power of the gospel. That's the power of God unto salvation. That's the only thing that could ever find root in their soul. There's power in the gospel. And you've seen this text before, 2 Corinthians 4, 6-8. For God said, who, for God who said, let all shine, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, we have this gospel, we have this change in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of His power will be of God and not of ourselves. The power of God is the gospel. It is the power of the cross. And when He takes this life-changing gospel and it finds root in the soul of those who has good soil because He's made the soil good and life is being brought and we are being made into new creatures and we are being raised from death to life. And the power of this God, the power of His Spirit is indwelling in us. By the power of His gospel, He puts it in the weakest thing there could be. Weak vessels that have no power, that have nothing to brag about on, them, on themselves. And He does this. Why? So the vessel doesn't brag about themselves, but so the power of God can be on display. This is the omnipotent power of God that is in display on salvation, in salvation through His gospel, through His work in these weak earthen vessels. And I want you to follow along in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 through 23. It's on your sheet. Now listen to this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. There's power. The omnipotent God puts His omnipotent power toward those who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and everything that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him head, him as head over all things to the church, which is the bo His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all." It is the power of God that rests inside the believer. It is the power of God via the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity that is at work in the believer. What an amazing thought that this is the power of God, the gospel that is in these weak vessels. And if you remember this, surely you remember this, 2 Peter chapter 1, we weren't there that long ago. Do you remember the dynamite power? Remember when we talked about the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that raises us from spiritual death to spiritual life? Let me tell you this, there's only one kind of power that can raise a spiritually dead soul to life, and that's the omnipotent power of God, not any power that we have in our fallen, sinful state. But he says, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness... That everything that you need for life and godliness in salvation and in sanctification has been given to you by the divine power, the divine power of this God. 
that makes it a little harder to go around as a defeated person, doesn't it? Because we can look back and say that this God, this omnipotent God, has given me His power to reside in me and given me by His power all things for life and godliness. Matthew 19, 25-26 says, When the disciples heard this, they were astonished and said, Then who can be saved? Who can do this on their own? Can anybody do this on their own? And looking at them, Jesus said, With people, this is impossible. But this is what gets taught in a lot of churches. You can do it. You can come and make this decision in your fallen nature. But God says, With people, it's impossible. But with God... Who has all power? It's possible. That's the only way it's possible. Because His divine power, His omnipotent power, if you're a Christian, found you when you were dead in sin. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that raised you from spiritual death to life. That is the power of the God that we serve. And it is only this power that can bring about our salvation through the power of His gospel, through the power of His word, through the power of His regeneration in our souls. First Peter 1.5 says, Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. How will you get to heaven? How are you protected? How are you reserved for your inheritance? Is it by your power? No, sir, no, ma'am. It is by the omnipotent power of God. Did you think about that for just a second? That this omnipotent power that we're talking about is the power that is protecting us for a salvation to finally see its fulfillment in heaven. To claim that you can lose that is a direct attack on the omnipotent power of God. And at the very end of this section, here's what I wrote. I think you'll enjoy this. No, no one else. No one or no thing is able to snatch the sheep out of the hands of the omnipotent shepherd. Tell me who in the world has any power to come up to the shepherd who's holding his sheep that has been given to him by the Father and rip them out, pluck them out of his hands. Again, to deny the doctrine of eternal security is again an attack on the omnipotent power of God and his shepherdness. Rest assured, if you're in the arms of the shepherd, Those are some omnipotent arms and hands. And nothing and no one can ever pluck you out of them. This is an omnipotent God that we serve. This power is guarding you. This power is holding you. This is the power of God unto salvation. Let us rejoice in this as Christians. Going on as we finish up here, it says that God is omnipotent in His death. You see, there's a song that is, we used to sing, it's a cross meant to kill is my victory. See, that was shame 
to the world, that, right? To be on a cross, that was shame and that was a curse and that was a sign of weakness that this one who claimed to be the Messiah was hanging in shame, in agony. And it looked like weakness. This God who proclaimed all power and all authority, this is the all that he said. They look at him on the cross and say, we told you. Look at this weakness. God would not do this. This is not the Messiah. And what looked like weakness was a display of God's omnipotent power. That you want to see the omnipotent power of God? You look to the cross. And we see this, that He has all power and He has all victory on the cross because He defeated sin and death. He made a public show of them openly on the cross. It is in the cross, it is in the moment that looks like it is His weakest, that is the most prevalent power of God displayed. Not weakness, but power. Listen to what Colossians chapter 2 says in verse 19 through 15. You guys know 16 and 17 of this chapter in the types and shadows. But we're going to read the verses before. It says, For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him you have been made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority. And in Him you are all circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What he's saying here is our circumcision isn't by flesh. It's by the heart, by the Spirit, is what Romans tells us. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision, he made you alive together. Stop. When did he make you alive? You were still dead. Let us not overlook this fact. You were dead when he made you alive. You were not spiritually alive. You were dead when he made you alive. Together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And listen to this omnipotence. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. The omnipotent power of God was on full display. Went to the world, it looked like the greatest sign of weakness. The Bible tells us in John 10, why does the Father love the Son? Because the Son laid His life down. No one took it from Him. He laid it down on His own power, didn't He? Isn't that what the Bible tells us? What you see is not... Men having all this authority over God. God gave them the ability to do that. He decreed this eternal plan. We see this in the book of Acts. He worked in and through these people for this to be accomplished. And he laid his life down by his own power. He died on his own power. And he was raised by the same omnipotent power. Not only is he omnipotent in his death, he's omnipotent in his resurrection. Listen to what it says. Acts chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. I believe Amanda Shirt says it all. But God raised 
him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. You see, the power of death, the power of the grave, it was impossible to hold him because he was sinless, he was all power, and he didn't have a chance. So many people look at the resurrection and say, wow, that's impossible that he rose from the dead. No, 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 no. It's just the opposite. It's it's impossible that the grave could hold him because the power of sin and death, the power of death in the grave is sin and Christ is sinless. Death has no power. Sin has no power over him. And he is omnipotent in his resurrection. It was impossible for it to hold him or be held in its power. John 10, we mentioned there in verse 17 and 18. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. There's omnipotence in His death, omnipotence in His resurrection. 1 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us through His power, that we are in union with this resurrection, and the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that raised us from spiritual death to spiritual life. Here's what's even crazier about this whole thing. We just said it was impossible for the grave to hold Him because of the power of God that was working in that moment but to the heart and to the soul that that same omnipotent power comes and He speaks the word of life and He speaks regeneration to that soul, it is just as impossible for that dead soul to stay dead. That heart is resurrected. It's impossible for the heart of the elect to stay dead when Christ in His power comes calling. That's omnipotence in salvation. That's omnipotence in death. That's omnipotence in the resurrection. And just as we've been resurrected spiritually, it is the same omnipotent power of this God who raised Christ from the dead by a bodily resurrection. It will be the same for us one day. We are in union with Him. And as Christ is the first fruits of that resurrection, that same power will bring us to a physical bodily resurrection one day by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity with the body of His glory. How will He do this? By the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. It is that same power that will change our body into a glorified body. That's omnipotence. Only God can do this. And the last point here, briefly, we'll talk about is God is omnipotent over death and Hades. You may remember this verse from Revelation, depending on your translation. I always knew it as, you know, I I, I am the living one. I was dead and behold forevermore. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave, right? That's how I always remembered it. But here's what the NASB says. And the living one, and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and of Hades. Do you know what it means to have the keys of death and Hades? That God is omnipotent. He has all power. He's defeated them. He's destroyed them. And they have no hold. What does he tell Peter in Matthew? He says that upon this rock I will build my church in the gates of hell. They will not prevail. How could they? He's omnipotent. 
He's all power. And anything that the devil's doing, it's because God has given him that ability that the church will keep on going. The Word of God will keep on progressing. The church will never be eradicated from planet Earth because the gates of hell will never prevail. Never. Because God has the keys and He has defeated them on the cross and He will ultimately defeat them on the last day. This is omnipotence. I'm just going to read a few things here on the power of death in Hades. We see that he has power over death because when the women came and looked into the tomb in Luke 24, we hear the words, he's not here, he's risen. Because he's power over death. 1 Corinthians 15, 25-26, For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be abolished is death. That's the last enemy. He's omnipotent over death and he will finally put the final nail in the coffin to death. No pun intended. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 54-57, But when this perishable have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we look to the end, to the end to see the ultimate omnipotent power of God over death, hell, grave, and Satan. We find it in Revelation 20, verse 14 first. It says, then death and Hades. We just read in Revelation 1 that he has power over this. He holds the keys. It says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That is the second death, the lake of fire. It's the omnipotent God with all power who brings this about. And just in case, just in case you really want to hear what happens to the devil, I didn't want to leave out verse 10. And the devil who deceived, the accuser of the brethren, the father of all lies, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever by this omnipotent God. A.W. Pink says this, listen to this. Nothing in all the vast universe can come to pass otherwise than God has eternally purposed. Here is the foundation of faith. Here is a resting place for the intellect. Here is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. It is not blind fate, unbridled evil, man or devil, but the Lord Almighty, El Shaddai, who is ruling the world, ruling it according to His own pleasure and for His own eternal glory. And I wanted to leave you with two verses here. Psalm 62, 11 says this, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. In Revelation 1a says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. Do we truly understand the God that we serve? Do we understand the God that rescued us 
what power that took. Not by flesh, but by the power of God. That's the only thing that could bring your salvation is the power of God. The power of His gospel, the power of His regeneration in our soul. The same one who spoke the world into existence is the same one who speaks light and life into your soul. He holds all things together, who laughs at the ungodly, who does not get intimidated by the quote-unquote most powerful people in the world because those powers have been given to them by God. This is the God that walks with us. This is the God that holds our hand. This is the God that wraps us in His arms and says that nothing and no one is more powerful than me and nothing will pluck you out of my hands. There's nothing too difficult for me. When we look at the world and it looks impossible and the struggles come and we are running through a a struggle or a trial in life and we say, this is impossible. Let us remember that if He can speak the sun into existence, if He can speak the stars into existence, if He can hold all planets and galaxies and molecules together with the power of His Word and He can bring your fallen rebel soul to life, Nothing is too difficult for Him. We have been saved. We have been rescued. And we have an omnipotent God walking with us every day and indwelling us with His Holy Spirit. That's the comfort to the believer, but that's terror and dread to the unbeliever. And I want to end with this. We must remember that no matter what comes in our lives, No matter how bad things may seem, no matter how broken the world is, no matter how weak we are, we serve God Almighty, who is omnipotent. And that is how we go to sleep every night, how we wake up every day, and how we walk through every day by remembering that He is omnipotent. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for your power. Thank you for power in creation. Thank you by the power of your word, you hold all things together. By the power, you are running this universe flawlessly, perfectly. And Lord, thank you that it is your gospel and it is your power unto salvation that was the only hope that I had to be made alive spiritually. Only by your power. God, forgive me for overlooking your omnipotence, for sometimes questioning your omnipotence. Lord, I may not question it with my words, but sometimes I question it with my actions and my thoughts. But God, I pray that we be in awe of your power tonight. And I pray that it would bring us comfort joy, strength, and peace. But Lord, let us also understand the fear of your power. Let us have a holy, reverent fear of your omnipotence. And Lord, thank you that by that same power that you created the world and all that's therein, you saved me, you rescued me, and you hold me because you've defeated death in hell. To you be the glory forever and ever because that's how long you're omnipotent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.